changed? Amen. Amen. Has something changed that you did not know? Are you making, causing certain changes? It's very important. That is how to grow. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hear what I just said there. So today, say the word of God. Is God speaking to me? Say it again. Say the word of God. Is God speaking to me? Say, I am who Christ is. I have what Christ has. I can do what Christ can do. I'm seated where Christ is seated. In heavenly place. See, I am a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Say, say, I am a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Say, the word of God is for my profiting. It's for my benefit. Come on, shout a big glory. So we are talking today, we are continuing our series on growing in grace. And today we are talking about the throne of grace. Write it down. Growing or increasing in grace. And we are talking today about the throne of grace. We talked, like our brother Alfred recapped, we talked about humility when we started with the series on growing in grace. Well, we've been teaching on grace, ever increasing grace for the beginning of the year. Amen. Amen. And where we are, we are in how to increase in grace, how to grow in grace. And we spoke about humility when it says God resists the proud. And gives more grace to the humble. Amen. Gives God more grace. And we say that when you are humble, God gives you more grace, number one. Number two, grace and peace is also, they are all multiplied unto us. It's through the knowledge of him. So we also grow in grace through the knowledge of God and Christ. We grow or we multiply in grace. Grace grows exponentially through knowledge. Amen. Amen. We talked about that last week. And today we are talking about the throne of grace. Say the throne of grace. Hebrews chapter 4. Is that not powerful? Hebrews chapter 4. From verse 14 to 16. Hebrews chapter 4. From verse 14 to 16. Are we ready for something? Hebrews chapter 4. Shout glory. Are you here? Are you here? Can we all read together? One, two, go. Mm -hmm. Verse 15. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Verse. Mm-hmm. Is that not powerful? Take us back to verse 14. It says, seeing then that we have, we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Verse 14, verse 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16. 
It says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy, say obtain mercy, and find grace to help in time of need. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. He says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So there is a throne of grace. Is that true? Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. That is, it's telling us that there is the throne of grace. That is, there is a throne where you can find grace. Did you hear what I said? He calls it the throne of grace or the seat of grace. Why is it the seat of grace? You know, there is a place or there is a throne where there is grace. He says, we Christians should come boldly unto this throne of grace so that we may obtain mercy. So what happens when you come to the throne of grace is that you obtain mercy, number one. Two, number two, you find grace. Write it down. So there is, write it down, there is a throne of grace. There is a throne of grace. Or there is the throne of grace. There is the throne of grace. There is the throne of grace. Where you can find grace. Or where you can come or approach boldly. So let us come boldly. Unto the throne of grace. Why does he call it the throne of grace? The throne that where you can find grace. Why? Because it's the throne of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the personification of grace. Have I said that before? Jesus is the, the person of grace, of God's grace. When God had in himself all his purpose before the foundation of the world, what he had was Jesus in himself. Come on, shout hallelujah. So Jesus and his church. So the Bible says that that which was in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. He was referring to the Son of God. He was referring to Jesus. Then he says we should come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? Because the throne of grace is the throne of Jesus, who is the embodiment of God's grace. Jesus is the embodiment of God's grace. Write it down. Write it down. Jesus is the embodiment of God's grace. He is the person of God's grace. And the throne of grace belongs to him. Write it down. Jesus is the embodiment of God's grace. Jesus is the embodiment of God's grace. He is the person of God's grace. And the throne of grace belongs to him. Why is it called the throne of grace? Because the person of grace is seated on that throne. Who caught what I just said right now? Is that powerful? Is that powerful? I said, is that powerful? So the person of Jesus is seated on that throne. Because the person of Jesus, who is the embodiment of grace, is seated on that throne, that throne is referred to as the throne of grace. Did you catch what I said there? So the throne of grace is as a result of who is sitting on it. The technology is because of the person that is sitting on it. Or the person that that throne belongs to. It belongs to Jesus. It's the seat of grace. Right? The throne of grace is the seat of grace. 
or the seat of the person of grace. The throne of grace is the seat, S-E-A-T. Is the seat of the person of grace. Is the seat of the person of grace. That is Jesus Christ. Add it. That is Jesus Christ. Is that not powerful? Is that powerful? So the throne of grace is the seat. It says, let us therefore come boldly. How are we coming? Boldly. Now, it says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Not because we are coming from earth to heaven. Just, we have a heaven has passed into the heavens. So this throne is not on this earth. Is it on this earth? No. But it's not saying we should come boldly to the throne because we are, we are coming from the earth to the heavens. No. Why? The scriptures teaches us in Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 2, that we are seated together with Christ. Is that what it says? In heavenly place. So we are around the throne. Of grace. Every Christian is already around the throne of grace. So let's approach this throne boldly. Did you understand what I just said? So we are not approaching as people who are far from the throne. No. We are approaching as people who have access to the throne. We are not approaching as people who are far off from the throne. We are approaching as people who have access to the throne. The reason why it says come boldly because it's giving us that consciousness that we have access to the throne. We have what? Access to the throne. We have access to the throne. So it's not like we are afar from the throne. Because the scripture teaches that all of us are seated together with Christ in heavenly place. Far above all principalities and powers. Who has said that scripture before? So because we are, who has said that scripture before? Because we are seated together with Christ, we are not coming with a mentality that we are now coming from earth to heaven. No. Because in the spirit realm, our human spirit is set in heaven, in Christ Jesus. Come and shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So when it says, let us come boldly, he's saying come without fear. He said, come without doubt. Come boldly. Approach the throne boldly. Without doubt. Without fear. He says, come boldly. Unto the throne. Now, if we can come to the throne, then it means we have access. Two of us. We don't need a channel to get to the throne. Personally, we can get there. We are hearing that shout hallelujah. Says, come boldly under the throne of grace. Says, when you come boldly to the throne of grace, you obtain mercy. Mercy is absence of judgment. Write it down. Mercy is the absence of judgment. Mercy is the absence of judgment. Or mercy there means compassion. Compassion. Mercy is the absence of judgment. So this we may obtain mercy. And then find grace to help in time of need. Find grace. Find grace. So we can find grace when we come boldly. Is that true? 
the more we approach boldly the throne, the more we find grace. The more we find grace, the more we increase in grace. Write it down. The more we approach boldly the throne, he didn't say come with fear. He didn't say come with doubt. He says come boldly. So the more we approach boldly the throne, why? Because, oh, this is so powerful. And find grace to help in time of need. Find grace to help in time of need. Find grace to help. When it says find, then it's suggesting something as if you are searching for. Is that not true? Yes. <laughs> okay, what I said there. Brother, did you hear something there? When it says to find, it's suggesting as if we are searching or we search for. But it says the grace too is there. Why does he use the word find grace? Because this particular grace is a very unique kind of grace. Write it down. This is a unique kind of grace. The grace of God is manifold. Write it down. This particular grace is a unique kind of grace. Comma. And write the grace of God is manifold. The Bible talks about the manifold grace of God. We'll talk about it as time goes. we continue our series. The manifold grace of God. The manifold grace of God. The grace of God is manifold. But it's suggesting a finding of this grace. Yet it says we should come boldly and obtain mercy. And it's telling that we have access to grace from this throne. We have access to more grace from this throne. So the more you come to this grace or you approach boldly the grace, the more you find grace. Is that not true? The more you find grace, the more you increase in grace. If you heard that shout, Hallelujah. He says, come boldly that you may find grace. Because he's suggesting like we are searching for the grace. But we are searching for a grace which is already there. Why? Because this grace is a unique kind of grace. Is that powerful? The grace that you can only find by the throne is a unique kind of grace. If you hear what I said, shout glory. glory. But I will explain find grace. Then it says, find grace to help in time of need. Find grace to help in time of need. So this particular kind of grace is for assistance. Write it down. Grace to help is for, assi- is for assistance. Grace to help. Find grace to do what? To help in time of need. This particular kind of grace is for assistance. It's for assistance. It is to find grace to help. It is in time of need. Now, in time of need there, doesn't mean in time, in the time where you have a need. Because many people translate it or explain it to mean that when you have a particular need, then you go to find grace because of that particular need. So maybe I need a car, so I want a grace that will guarantee or grant me the car. So that's not what he's saying. He says, to find grace in time of need. That word in time of need is, is talking about the time 
where that grace is required. Write it down. That time, that, that grace is required. There's a time that this particular grace is required. Grace from the throne. There's a time that the grace from the throne is required. It's needed. There's a time where the grace from the throne is needed. Where the, the grace from the throne is a necessity. Write it down. It's very important. The grace from the throne is a necessity. There is a time. Is that not powerful? Where the grace from the throne is required, is needful, is needed, is necessary. Now you can't do without it. This particular grace from the throne, the grace that you find from the throne. So it's not suggesting that we find the grace when we have a need. So you say, I have this need, so I'm going to find grace. No. It's talking about finding this grace at a time where this grace is needful. Because there's a time where the, the grace that you get from the throne is needful. There's a time. We are hearing that shout glory. It becomes necessary for that grace. There are graces that you get from what? From the word of God, true or false. From humility, true or false. And others will be saying, but this particular grace is only when it is needed that you can find the grace. That is why it suggests to find grace. If you heard what I said, shout hallelujah. So it says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. And you, you notice that it is this particular kind of grace that comes first of all with mercy. He could have said that, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may find grace and obtain mercy. Shall I repeat what I just said? Shall I repeat what I just said? He could have said that, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may find grace and obtain mercy. If he had said, you see, the Spirit of God in his choice of words, when you read the scriptures, it's very important you notice the choice of words of the Spirit. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. It's important. So you could have said, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may find grace and obtain mercy. In the time of need. But he chose to use obtain mercy. First, before you find grace. It means that before you find this grace, you have to go through mercy. Before you find this grace, you have to go through mercy. Mercy is compassion. Mercy is the absence of judgment. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? So the first here is the mercy. Before you find grace. So there is mercy also by the throne. True or false? I said there is mercy where? Where you are preaching. Who caught what I just explained right now? His choice of words. The choice of words of the spirit. What we call the diction. 
So it says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy first, and then find grace to help. Find grace to help. Yes, in the time where it is needed. Why does he say that? When is this grace needed? Ask somebody, say, when is this grace needed? When is this grace necessary? So you say, when is this grace necessary? When is this grace needed? Ask the person, say, when, when, when is Papa saying this grace is needed? When? Is that not powerful? Now, we can know this when we go back to the previous verses. Wait. Now, verse 6 says, let us therefore come boldly. Does he say that? Now, if he says, let us therefore come boldly, then it means he said something in the previous verses. For which he's given us that assurance that because of what he said in the previous verses, let us come. Boldly. Let us therefore come. Who, who caught what I just said? So, if he says, let us therefore come, then he's saying that he said something in the previous verses. Is that true? And because he said something in the previous verses, he says, now, let us now come boldly onto the throne. So if we want to know when this grace is needed, we have to go to verse 14 again. Verse 15. Am I teaching you something this morning? Am I teaching you something this morning? This is, for we have not a high priest or an high priest, as the King James would put it, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Go to verse 16. Let's just let Go to verse, where did you read? Verse 14. Take us to verse 14 first. 14, 15, 16. We are dealing with that. Come on, shout hallelujah. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. What are we seeing? Seeing then that we have a great high priest. If you don't check the scripture, you won't catch what I'm saying. Amen. Who wants to catch what I'm teaching? Seeing then that we have a great high priest. That is passed into the heavens. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. That is passed into the heavens. Where is the throne of grace? In the heavens. So the throne of grace belongs to the high priest. True or false? Says we have a great high priest. That is passed into the heavens. Then he mentions his name. Says Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. Let us hold fast our faith. Seeing then that we have... So what should we see? He wants us to see that we have a great high priest. Is that there? We have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. And this high priest is Jesus, the Son of God. Then he says, let us hold fast our profession. Verse 15, he says what there? For we have not an high priest. Now he's trying to explain some of the work of the high priest. Amen. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But was in all points tempted. So the high priest who is passed into the heavens. He says he's also touched with the feeling of our infirmities. So you see what I'm trying to explain to you is this. 
this particular grace is not a grace that has to do with doing something. Like the Bible talks about the grace for giving. So you have that grace and you give. And the more you give, the more you increase in grace. We will explain that as we continue. Amen. Amen. This particular grace is for sustenance. Write it down. It's for sustenance. It's a grace for sustenance. It's a grace for sustenance. S-U-S-T-E. It's a grace for sustenance. It's a grace for sustenance. It's a grace for assistance. Write it down. Grace for assistance. So this is not like a doing grace or having receiving grace to do something, to heal something, to preach, to heal somebody, to preach, and all that. This is a grace that sustains a person. It is the grace that is connected to the priestly ministry of Jesus, the high priestly ministry of Jesus. Write it down. It is this grace that is connected to the high priestly ministry of Jesus or high priestly office of Jesus. Because there's a high priestly office of Jesus. I'll be explaining that. Did I say I'll explain that, uh, Alfred? When did I say I'll explain it? On Wednesday. So if you are not being in church or you don't follow the messages, you wouldn't know all of these things. It looks like you're watching a Chinese movie. Amen. And the more you don't know, the more we continue. Because we are wild to take over this world. We are wild. Are we not wild? We are building up ourselves for that. It's like a race. Once you fall off, we continue. If we can help you, we hold you up. If we hold you and you still don't stand, we still have to continue. We can't wait. Can we wait? So mark where it fell, we cannot stop. Come on, shout glory. glory. So I said this what? It's a grace for sustenance. Is that grace that is connected to the high priestly office or high priestly ministry of Jesus. The high priestly office or ministry of Jesus. Did you hear what I said? So it says, take us back to verse 14. This is so powerful. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Now listen, you have, I want you to catch the clue here. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Seeing. Who can see that we have a great high priest? That is passed into the heavens. His name is Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our faith. Let us hold fast. Without wavering, let us hold fast our profession. That's faith. It's the confession of our faith. The profession of our faith. Or the confession. Confession of our faith. So isn't let us hold fast our faith. Talking about holding our faith. Not giving it up easily. Not giving in easily. Let us hold fast our faith. So I'm holding fast. My faith. Now verse 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. So this particular grace is required during the time of infirmity. Write it down. Or during the time of temptation. The grace that you find on the throne of grace is needed. This is a very different, this is not in any book what I'm teaching you. Amen. Amen. 
is needed. Because many Christians just think when they approach Joseph, we are approaching today, we are going to pray, we are approaching the throne. That is the normal mentality. So that we can just find grace. Is that not true? But this, from 14, 15, 16, you should know that he's talking about something. First of all, he mentions the high priest. Secondly, he mentions how this high priest is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Do you see there? Uh, who, saw, who is seeing it there? Then he says, let us come boldly. Verse 17. Verse 16. Is that what he says? So from 14, 15, and 16, you should know what he's really talking about. He's not talking about a normal approach just to find grace. No. He first of all tells us there is a high priest. He tells us that this high priest is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And this same high priest is also tempted or was, or was tempted in all points. Does he talk about that? So what he's saying is that this grace that we find is necessary, is needed during the time of infirmity or temptation. It's a grace for the one who is tempted. Write it down. Who is tempted. It's a grace for the one who is weak. Infirmity doesn't mean sickness over there. So it's a weakness. He's not talking about sicknesses here or diseases here. No. He's talking about weakness. Some Christians are spiritually weak. Some are still weak in the flesh. Instead of strong in the spirit. This particular grace is for the feeble. Write it down. It's for the feeble. For the one who is tempted, the one who is weak. The one who is feeble. Is it there? The one who is ignorant. Right there. And the one who is out of the way. The one who is ignorant. And the one who is out of the way. Where is that coming from? Go to the same Hebrews chapter 5 from verse 2. So this is chapter... 4 verse 15, 16. Amen. Amen. 14, 15, 16. Go to chapter 5. You see there. The ignorant and the one who is out of the way. So this who, ha- who can have st- let's start from verse 1 so that it will make a meaning. To make some kind of meaning. Who is following what I'm teaching? If you are following, shout glory. glory. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God. That he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Colon. Now come to verse 2. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way? For that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. Do you see there? So it's also for the ignorant and that the one that is out of the way. Who heard what I said? You don't get that one down. So that is that's the that's that's the the, the, the need. It's for people who are in this particular need. And this is so important. This is so important. Take us to verse 14 to uh, chapter 4 again. From verse 14. This is so important. Say it's so important. It's so important 
Because when a person is feeble, let me give you a scripture. Hebrews chapter 12. Oh, this is so powerful. This is, is, he was in all points tempted, yet without sin. Hebrews chapter 12. Is it not powerful? From verse 12 to 13. We will come back here. It says, Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, uh-huh, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Can you give us an idea of that? Quickly. So he's referring to Christians. Now certain Christians who have certain weaknesses who are yet to come up. Amen. There are also certain people he says, therefore strengthen your feeble arms. So there are some Christians who are feeble. It doesn't mean that they are sick in their bodies. But spiritually, They are feeble. They are moved by anything that comes their way. Some of them are moved by any troubles that come their way. Some when they find themselves in the temptation, they say, we won't go to church again. They can't withstand the pressures. Amen. Some can't withstand the persecutions that come. Some can't withstand the, the betrayals that happen even within the church. They are feeble. They are weak. So this grace is for such Christians. And at a particular time in your life, this grace will be required. It will be needed. Sometimes when you find yourself in a particular trial, your faith is tried. And there is no change, no matter how you pray. Or no matter how you are prayed for, there is a time like that. When you find yourself in a particular trial, no matter who prays for you, you still be in the trial. It never changes. Why? Because the trying of our faith, the Bible says, is for us to learn to be patient, true or false, and to be perfect. So God don't just move you out of the trial because somebody prayed or you prayed. At that time where you are enduring the trial, you need this grace. It is this grace that enables you to endure the trial until the end. Do you get what I'm saying? Sometimes a person is born again, yet is refusing to grow. He's refusing to come to church. But he's born again. He's a child of God. To the point where we even want to give up on that person. We've been calling, we've been calling, we've been doing this. After some years, you meet that person and the person has become very serious with the Lord. Or sometimes after some period of time staying in the church and hearing the message and hearing this and seeing what is happening, become so serious. What enables that person? From the time he was not serious, he was feeble. We call that person, he says, feeble arms and weak knees. He says, the ignorant. The one who doesn't know much about what we are preaching. But he's in church. If you are hearing what I'm saying, do you understand what I'm saying? Or the one who is, who is out of the way. It means the one who is led astray. Who has been led astray. There are Christians who are led astray. By certain teachings. Certain erroneous teachings. Genuinely they are Christians. 
but they found themselves under the wrong tutelage. The wrong person. The wrong local church. And because of that, they are being brought up wrongly. In that period, where they are yet to really meet the right person to correct them, that period where they are still in that kind of ignorance, the grace that sustains them is this kind of grace. Who heard what I said there? Did you hear what I said? So some of you are still, this grace is still working for some of you. Is that not true? Hey, did you get what I'm talking about? There are Christians like that. Some of them are somewhere listening to things they must not listen to. Messages that are teaching them wrong, wrong stuff. But they are there in the church. And Jesus needs those Christians too. You can't say because of that, come out. From the time where they will see the light, where they will be privileged by the Holy Ghost to lead them to a particular place where they can know much. All that period of time is a time where this grace is required. If you hear what I said, I said, I shout glory. They are ignorant. Some are out of the way. Some are led astray. Certain Christians are led astray by friends to go and do certain things that they wouldn't have done. Or to do certain things which has nothing to do with the Christian life. They go astray. Have you seen a Christian who has gone astray before? At a time where they've gone astray, the grace on the throne is what sustains them until they come back to the right path. Until the feeble arms and weak knees are strengthened. If you heard that, shout hallelujah to that. Hallelujah. Shout another hallelujah to that. Hallelujah. Is that powerful? Is that powerful? Please understand what I'm saying. So, take us back to chapter 4 again. That is why he's talking about the high priest. He says the high priest. Chapter 4, from verse 14 again. Who caught what I said over there? So, this, this provision has, this grace provision has been made for such kind of people. It's been made for all of us. There will be a time you will find yourself in a trial that never goes, true or false. And you pray and you dance and you give and you do all of that and you are still standing. The grace that keeps you so that you don't fall away, so that you don't give up, is this grace. The more you are praying, Lord, change my story. The story is not changing. Lord, take me from this trial. Deliver me. Yet you are not experiencing the deliverance. But even though you are not experiencing the deliverance, you are still in church, worshiping the Lord, serving in His house. And you are even wondering, this has taken two years. This has taken three years. But you are still active in church as a Christian. You have not given up. You've not thrown in the towel. It is this grace that is working at that particular time. Come on, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. When you are in church, everybody knows something. You don't know anything. You are just sitting in the church. Amen. But you are still coming. 
Sometimes Pastor Prince is teaching, the thing he's teaching is too big for you. You don't even understand, but I'm still coming. Until you catch up. What is keeping you going and coming? And all that is still making you active. Yet you've not yet caught up with what we've been teaching. Is this grace? It's a grace that is needed in weaknesses. Come on, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Who caught what I just said there? Who understand that? So we find this and we all need this grace. We will all need, we need this grace and we will still need it and we will still need it. When you are being tempted, they've brought some check before you. And this check will make you great. Yet is this thing is illegit- it's not legitimate. You are being careful. Or a young boy is, pres- a young man is pursuing you, a married man pursuing you. Is what? Pursuing you. He says, if you give in, I will give, give you a drug. I will be, have you seen this bag? There is money. Meanwhile, you are also going through difficulties. I will buy you a house. I will buy you a car. Say, giving you promises. The man is serious. He wants to buy you all those things. You are born again. You know that this is not right. True or false? The guy, the man is pursuing you here and there, here and there, here and there. You have to say, I'm not giving in. I'm a Christian. What shall it profit a man when he gains the whole world and loses his soul? My soul is important to me. All those times where you have been tempted, what is keeping you to the point where you say, hey, I was able to go through this thing. One day you'll be sharing your testimony or sharing and all that. What is keeping you is the grace that you find on the throne. Who understand what I just said? So it says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our faith. Seeing then, so every Christian must see that he or she has a great high priest. Jesus is our great high priest. Say it after me. Jesus is my great high priest. Say it. So it's a scene that we have not a high priest, but a great high priest who is gone into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession, our faith. Verse 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities which cannot be touched. Can he be touched? He says, no, listen. Says for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. So he's talking about a high priest which can, who can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. How is he touched? He's touched in our weaknesses. He's touched in our temptations. When we are crying, yet he doesn't send deliverance. He doesn't do what? Or he through the spirit doesn't deliver us. But he keeps us in where we are crying. He keeps us there. For a lot of reasons. And you are there. You are saying, when will this change happen? Yet you have not thrown in the towel. Your faith is strong. You still do what you used to do in church. As if nothing is happening. Did you hear what I said? It is this grace that is working. It's working because it's connected to the high priestly office. That high priest Jesus, he says he was tempted in all points. So he's been tempted, Jesus. Now, 
Wednesday I'll be teaching you something on the high priest. Very important. But you see, one of the reasons why Jesus had to come was for him to experience the frailty or the frailty of humanity. It's to experience all the temptations that happens in this world. To feel it. To do what? I said it on Wednesday that the office of the high priest or the sanctuary in the heaven was pitched or established by God even before he created the world. But there was no high priest in that office. There was no high priest in the sanctuary. Wednesday I'll teach you on that. But I don't want to go into it today. Is that not true? Is that not true? It is very important. It is very important. Shout glory to that. Who caught what I said there? Take us to Hebrews chapter 2. Why he said this? Hebrews chapter 2. From verse 16, I think. Oh. Yes. So here, Paul is talking about Jesus Christ, the high priest. In fact, he begins his argument about the high priest from chapter 2. Or even chapter, somewhere chapter 1, chapter 2. Then he says, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels. He's talking about Jesus. That when Jesus came on this earth, he did not take on him the nature of angels. He took on him the nature of the seed of, of Abraham. Philippians, Paul says that, And being found in fashion as a man, he became obedient unto death. Did he say that? Why did he say that? It, it means that Jesus came as a man. He took on a human form. Jesus was God in human form. So when he was walking on this earth, he was in the flesh. Do you see what I'm saying? He had what? A human body. And because he had a human body, he says he took on him the seed of Abraham. He did not take on him an angelic body. Jesus did not come with an angelic body, true or false. He came with a human body. He came in a human body. Verse 17. Wherefore in all things it behoved him, or behoved him, to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. So in all things he was made like his brothers, he says. So that he will be a merciful and a faithful high priest. Say merciful and faithful in things pertaining to God. To make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Verse 18. For in that he himself, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. That word, that word means to help. So for seeing that he took upon himself a human body and walked on these streets and went through several temptations, Jesus, when he was walking on this earth, was accused, true or false? Was accused wrongly, true or false? He was betrayed, true or false? So he went to accusations. He went to betrayals. 
He went to persecutions. He went to temptations. The Bible says when he was fasting, what happened? He was tempted. And the enemy left him for a season. Is that what the Bible says? So he was continually tempted. He was continually accused. He was insulted. They picked up stones to stone him. They called him a liar. Did they call Jesus a liar? They said he was a madman. They insulted him. He went through persecutions. He went through trial. When he was walking on this earth, he did all so that the Bible says, so that he can become. Because God, he knew that Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 will be fulfilled. Seeing that is passed into heavens. So God knowing that Jesus will pass into heavens or will ascend to the heavens to become a great high priest or a merciful and faithful high priest allowed him to go through the temptations he went through. The Bible says, even though he was a child, he learned obedience by the things he suffered. So he also suffered. If, before he was even arrested, he suffered humiliation. Oh, this man is a madman. He went to a particular city, a particular village, did a miracle there. The people came, saw Jesus standing there, and they drove him out. At the point in time, he was, he was driven out of the, the, the synagogue. True or false? So you see, Jesus went through several trials and temptations and persecutions. He says, so that he will be able to assist, help, aid them that are tempted as a faithful and merciful high priest. You heard that child, glory to that. Oh, hear what I just explained right now. So that is what he's saying in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor, to help, to assist, to aid them that are also tempted. Why? Because whatever temptation you are going through or trial, he's been through before. So he is touched. So he takes us back, take us back to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. That he is touched. He is what? Because God didn't want a high priest who is not touched with the feeling of the infirmity. He's not gone through anything. See, when you've not gone through anything before and somebody is saying it, you don't understand. Do you understand it well? You don't. It is when you've gone through that somebody is going through that you can say, oh, I've been there before. I know how it feels. Is that not true? So Jesus has been here before and knows how it feels. And now it's, it's called, it's referred to as a, the great high priest. Because of that, he says here, that we have a, not a high priest, we don't have that high priest who is not touched. Who doesn't feel our feelings? But we have a high priest who is touched with the feeling of our infirmities because he's gone through all yet without sin. Who caught that? Is that not powerful? And he says, when he says that, then he says, let us therefore come. So we are coming with that vim to the throne of the high priest knowing that with all the trials we are going through, he has gone through before and can grant us grace to go through our successfully. Come on, shout glory to that. 
So he says, we obtain mercy. We obtain compassion. When we come, he has compassion on us when he sees us. Then he grants us the grace to endure for long. If you heard what I said, shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because Colossians tells us that Paul says, I pray. Colossians chapter 1 says, I pray. I pray for you that you be filled with knowledge in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Being fruitful unto every good work. And he continues to tell us that we be strengthened with might unto all long suffering with joy, long suffering, enduring the trial. Long suffering means you suffer for long. Means you endure the trial. Yet with joy, you are patiently waiting for that day where something big is going to just happen in your life. From that period where you are still learning. And all of that. Sometimes you feel it. When will this happen? And all of that. What is still keeping you in the faith? And is still getting you to come to church. And getting you to follow Pastor Prince. And to getting you to all of that. What is sustaining you? Is the grace that you find on the throne. Is the grace that you find on the throne of the high priest. If you understood what I just said, shout glory. glory. You see, I've taught it differently. I've I've taught it differently. This is not in any book. And it's so important because sometimes a man of God is going to a trial. A man of God is hard pressed. There is no money. No money to pay rent. No money to pay school fees. No money to do anything. Yet the man of God is still in church preaching. Yes. Do you get what I'm saying? You can even have the grace to heal. He can have a grace to, to give. Such that the little he has even gives to church members. Or the little he has, he gives it to somebody. So you cry, you're going to try more than me. Take it, take it. So giving grace. Yet he is hard pressed. And even though he's hard pressed, he still continues in the ministry. Some ministers in certain nations are running for their life, yet they are still preaching. Do you get what I'm saying? They are going to great persecutions. Yet they are still ministering. It is this grace, the grace that you find to help in the time that is needed. It is this grace that is working in their lives. As you say, Father, in the name of Jesus, the high priestess received this grace. They say, Father, in the name of Jesus, the high priestess, the grace is here, take it and go. So even though they are not coming out of their situations, they are still able to endure and fulfill their cause. If you caught what I said, shout hallelujah. There are ministers like that. There's a minister I know about who had no child for 14 years or more. 14 years without child. Was ministering to people and the people will get their children. And he would dedicate their children. Year after year. Months after months. Is that not powerful? Yet goes to church. Wins souls. Expands the church. In Ghana. Branches all over. Moving. 
When he's dedicating all the people he has prayed for who have children, who all come and stand there. We dedicate all the children, pray for all of them. And go back home to his wife, no child, for 14 years. What could keep a person to do that? Is this grace. The grace that you find. The high priest did not take him out. But the high priest sustained him through the grace from the throne. Until now they have a boy. After 14 years having a boy. If you heard that, shout hallelujah to that. Who caught what I just said? The ministers in prison, they say we will kill you, renounce your faith. They say I won't renounce my feet. There is this great man of God, watch my knee. Watch my knee's tongue was cut. He says I'm not renounced. Even if you cut my tongue, I'm still here. In prison. Once they take him out, he goes back to preach. They catch him. In China, those days. Bring him back to prison. Watch my knee. George Fox, ministers of the gospel, they put him in a dungeon, they throw him down. Once they release him, once he comes out, he's going to preach. They arrest him. Sometimes the next day they arrest him again and put him back in the dungeon. They bring him out, he's going to preach. Those are trials. They're not trials. Those are persecutions. Those are great persecutions. What sustains them is this grace. The more they increase in the grace that they find on the throne, the more they are sustained, the more they have help in the time that it is required. And they keep doing it. Some people are in church for a long time. Before they see the mighty power of God manifest something great in their lives. Yet within that period where they are going through all of that, they are still active in church. Some of them are even encouraging others, the brethren. People look at their lives, ah, they don't see anything tangible. Yet they are encouraging the sisters, they are encouraging the brothers, come to church, do this. All throughout those times, is this grace that is working. If you are there, shout hallelujah. Who caught what I said there? So this is a needed grace. It's a grace that is required. A grace that you find when it is needed. It's a grace that is associated with the high priest. Who is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Did you get what I said? So this is a grace, you can write this down. That is associated with the touch of the feeling of our infirmity. Of the high priest. <laughs> write it the way you can write it and understand. <laughs> it's touched. Touched with the feeling of the infirmities. So we do not have a high priest who is not touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He is touched. Oh, say he's touched, he's touched, he's touched. Shout hallelujah. He's touched. With the feeling of our infirmities. He's touched. He's touched with the feeling. He feels the way we feel. Some of the Christians think, oh, is Christ Jesus concerned about us? He feels the way you feel. He does what? At one point in time, he healed the sick and told the guy, don't go and tell them I'm the one who healed you. The guy went and made the announcement. Oh, it is Jesus who healed me. At one point in time, he, he healed the sick and he told, the, he told them, go, go and wash yourself and come. They went and they never came. One person only came to thank him. He said, did I not heal about seven or ten of you people? Where, is that? Where are the others? 
Was he touched? He was. He's gone through all that we are going through, all the betrayals, all the accusations, all the trials. The Bible says when he went to the garden, he prayed in the days of his flesh. He offered up prayers and supplications unto God. The Bible says in that he feared, out of godly fear, he cried and made supplications. He cried until the, the, his fear that was coming was like clots of blood, two or false. At a point in time, he was hungry. Was he not hungry? He was tired. Was he not tired? He t- was tired and even slept in the boat. And slept until when there was all this chaos happening on the sea. He didn't even hear. He was so asleep. Deep sleep. Say deep sleep. So he was subject to what the Bible says, like passions. So now that he is the high priest, he is able to help through this grace. So Paul in his wisdom begins by writing, letting us know that this is the high priest. He is touched. Let us therefore come. It's like somebody telling you that, Charlie, you are going through some financial difficulty. Somebody tells you, that particular man, he's went through financial difficulty, so he understands. So let us go. When you explain your condition to him, he will say, oh, I've been like that before. Is that not true? And he will give you help. Or he will assist you. Let us therefore go. But before you go, you should know what a man has gone through too. So you know that what I'm going for, I can get it. True or false? That is Jesus. So he's not saying Jesus gives us the grace. But he's saying that Jesus has made that grace available on the throne. And once we come boldly, we can find that grace. As I said, it started by giving us a suggestion of a search. Because this is not a grace you just find anyhow. You find it when it is required. And you keep finding it. It's not you find it once. No, you keep finding. The more you need it, the more you go for it. If you are there, shout glory to that. So you read the scriptures, for instance, and this is so powerful. The high priestly ministry of Jesus. Amen. The high priestly ministry of Jesus. It's so powerful. It's so powerful because you read the scriptures and the Bible says that at one point in time Paul was being taken to prison. He was with some, some, some other prisoners and there was a shipwreck. When the shipwreck took place, Paul was praying when an angel of the Lord told him what was going to happen. Then the angel added that when all these things happen he says, I will keep you and keep all those who are with you. Now, those who are with Paul were not born again. Yet when the shipwreck took place, God did not only save Paul. He saved Paul, the sailor, and all the prisoners that were with Paul onto that island. No, that is God's, that's Jesus' high priestly ministry at work. That is grace at work. Grace that delivered Paul and the prisoners who were not born again. Why? Because he's the high priest. He starts with the feeling of our infirmities. To Jesus Christ, left to Jesus alone, everyone should be saved. Left with Jesus alone, no one should be sick and lying down in ox- with oxygen and all that. Did you hear what I said? You see that because the Bible says he had compassion on the widow who had one son. And the son had died. And whilst the woman was going to bury the son, Jesus went to the, did the woman call Jesus? No. He went to the woman. 
touched the coffin and said, young man, the Bible says he had compassion on that woman. That same compassion, he still has it for all of us. That's why it says we should come boldly and obtain compassion. Because once you reach the throne, that compassion comes upon you. And then you find grace. Come on, shout hallelujah. Who understood what I just explained right now? So it's so important. So important. The Bible talks about Cornelius. It talks about who? Cornelius. It first of all, it even talks about Stephen. Stephen was stoned. Now, one of the remarkable scriptures you can ever read, or remarkable truths or stories that you can read in the scripture, is that of Stephen. The man was a deacon. He was full of faith and power, the Bible says. They arrested him because of the preaching of the gospel and persecuted him. Now, the Bible says that when Stephen was being killed, he was lynched. He was what? He was lynched because of the gospel, the first matter. Now, when he was being killed, when the people took stones to kill him, the Bible says that Jesus stood up. He said, I see, he saw in the heavens that Jesus, the high priest, was standing and looking at what was happening. Jesus could have delivered him that at that time, true or false. Because Jesus has power to deliver anyone. He delivered through the spirit, delivered Peter out of prison. Delivered Paul out of prison several times. But this particular time, he did not deliver Stephen. He did not take him out of the hands of the people who were killing him or lynching him or throwing all the stones. And Stephen's eyes were opened during that time. And he saw the Son of Man standing. Is that not powerful? What was the Son of Man waiting for? He was waiting to receive his spirit. He could have delivered him. What kept Stephen there while they were killing him? To that point where he was about dying and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. He could have cursed them, because he was a man of miracles. So the man of power and great faith. That's what the scriptures describe Stephen. And Jesus could have delivered him. But in all of that, he was sustained until he said nothing wrong about Jesus or about the people. He never said, Jesus, destroy these people. No. The Bible says he saw them into the heavens and saw Jesus standing, the Son of Man, standing and said, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. That's what he said. That they should be forgiven. He pleaded on the behalf of those who were lynching him until he died. Saul was there. Was Saul there? It was that same grace that caught Saul and turned him to Paul, whose epistle we are reading and explaining today. That is grace. That is the grace. Shout hallelujah. Who calls what I said? The same with Cornelius. The Bible says that Cornelius was a rich man. He was giving alms. He feared God. 
Yet he was not born again. Was he born again? No. The grace, this grace is the grace that took Peter to Cornelius. This is grace. You know, the grace, saving grace is the grace that saves a person. But what enables, what enabled Peter? Or, look at this, this picture. Just get a picture of this. Somebody is not born again. Yeah, the Bible says, and God knew that he was going to include the Gentiles in salvation. And was going to use the household of Cornelius to begin. Cornelius was not born again. Yet the Bible says that his prayer and his arms had become a memorial. How? Because God, the high priest, had seen into the heart of that man. That the man was a man whose heart was panting after him. Yet he was doing it out of ignorance. He was doing it to how? So I said, the, this grace is for what? The ignorant and those that are out of the way. Like Cornelius. Was Cornelius out of the way? Yes. Was he ignorant? Yes. But by reason of his heart and his actions that had been weighed, he needed to be saved. So what got God's attention to what Cornelius was doing was this kind of grace. The grace that you find on the throne. And to the point where Peter was about, when they were cooking for Peter, Peter was up somewhere, waiting for his meals. And said, oh, let me just have a nap. And while, just, while Peter had a nap, he was just sleeping, he had a vision. And that vision was a vision to get him to go to Cornelius' house. God had to send that apostle to one man's house to get him saved. That is that grace. The grace that you find with the high priest. Why? Because the high priest performs a reconciliatory function. That's one of his duties as the high priest. When we start talking about the duties of the high priest, I'll, talk, I'll teach you on that. If you are hearing something, shout glory to that. Glory. Is that powerful? The high priest performs a reconciliatory function to reconcile men to God. That's one of his duties now. So there are people who think Jesus is doing nothing now. Jesus is still doing something. Jesus is still in ministry now. Did you hear what I said? Oh, the way you are. are you, should I close right now? I said Jesus is what? He's still in ministry right now. He has a present ministry on the throne. <laughs> Come on, shout Glory. And that's the high priestly ministry that he's doing. And one is, to, is reconciliation. That is why sometimes somebody said, I had a dream. A Muslim. There was a testimony like that I watched. A Muslim imam. Who had a vision and saw Jesus. He had a vision and saw Jesus. And God saved. Went to church. Went to see a pastor. Jesus told him to go and see a pastor. I went to see Spoke to the pastor about what the vision he saw. The pastor preached to him, he got saved and became a Christian. There are people like that. People who by vision are directed to a particular place. They don't know any Jesus. Yet they get saved. And then some of them become preachers. Because we have a high priest, the Bible says, who is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. 
That's when you feel the pain, he feels it. When you are crying there, and there is no change, you have prayed, you have fasted, he still feels it. He wants you to endure, and he grants you that grace. Just let us hold fast our faith without wavering. When you don't come to that point where you say, oh, I'm not going to church again. I've been praying to God for the fruit of the womb for the past five years, and I'm not going to church again. What sustains you and keeps you coming is that grace. There's this great man of God, the, the man of God who brought, who brought the church of Pentecost here, who started the church of Pentecost here. His name is Reverend James McKeon. Some of you don't know, so let me mention his name. The wife's name is Sophia McKeon. They came all the way from Ireland to be here. And they became like Ghanaians just to establish that church. And after they established the church, they left the church here in the hands of the locals and they left, they went back. Did you hear what I said? Now, this man and their wife had never had a child until they died. Never had a child. The question is, what was propelling him to still preach the gospel? What did he say? He said he may not have a biological son. But he has many spiritual sons. He had not one child. Not one. For all the years he stayed here. And all the years they were married. Until he died in his 80s. And all that. Never had one child. Yet in the midst of all those years. He was still preaching. He established churches. He did miracles. He did evangelism. Until today we talk about the church of Pentecost. As the largest church in Ghana. And somewhere in Africa has a lot of things there. Apart from Adeboye, they are moving. Two of us. But the man who founded it had no child. What was sustaining him? What was keeping him going? We call it grace. But that grace is the throne grace. It's the high priest grace. Who is touched by the feeling of that infirmity? He was touched. He did not deliver them. But he granted them the grace. To go through and have a successful ministry for their reward. There are some who have hundred children, yet will never enter he- heaven. Some who have hundred children, and their children will be even be the one to kill them. I've not heard that on the news before. You are in Ghana, that is why. If you get to US, you understand that some parents are killed by their children. Even in Ghana, eh? Do you get what I'm saying? So one day there will be a great change in your life. Your miracle has not yet happened, but one day they will, it will happen. Sabine, did you hear that? But whilst it has not yet happened, and you are finding difficulty, difficulty here and there, not knowing, moving from place to place, hey, when will there be a change? Papa, pray for me. The next day, Papa, pray for me. Ah, this girl just came to church. Now he is healed. Ah, me, I've been praying like that. What is sustaining you is this throne grace. Shout Hallelujah. The last thing I want to say before I close is this. Sometimes in a church gathering, you would realize that somebody is a Muslim. And then we are praying for the sick. We say in the name of Jesus, be healed, be healed. The Muslim is not born again. It is because of his sickness that he has been taken to church. For a healing meeting, a healing program, a crusade. And then he's in, in his future, in his future, in the crusade, just waiting. The man of God who is coming to minister healing is coming to minister a healing grace. 
But before that Muslim can be healed, he will need this grace. Did you hear what I said? So you, you realize that when the Muslim comes up and he says, when the man of God says, we should all pray to Jesus. And I started praying. I said, Jesus, me to heal me. That's all I could say. Then suddenly I gained strength. Then when he testifies, then there are people who are not Muslims in their wheelchairs. And then they are wondering, ah, a Muslim healed. What happens is this. Once the Muslim says at that particular time, in the presence of the Spirit, whilst the man of God is about to minister, or is about to minister healing, and it's all of us should pray, and everybody begins to ask Jesus, heal me. Jesus heals, and the Muslim also says, heal heal me. Because of the reconciliatory function of the high priest in his office, he is able to have compassion on that Muslim. Then when he has that compassion on that Muslim, the Muslim finds grace. When the Muslim finds grace, the healing grace coming from the minister touches that person's body. The person stands up. Now people can enter church and they are not even yet born again. They are not even serious. They can get a testimony and leave you who is serious. And you want to answer, ah, what, why would Jesus, me, I've been in church for five years, this lady who just came. He doesn't even know uh, what it means to be born again. Yet he's gotten a testimony. Have you wondered that before? That is the high priest working. That's the high priest working. That is the grace from the throne at work. Even for those who are not born again. Because as a high priest, he's also interested in reconciling men to God. Not just giving testimony to the one who's already reconciled. So if it's true that, that he will be able to reconcile that Muslim to himself, he will do it. And have compassion on that Muslim. And enable the Muslim to find grace by the throne. Then he gets the healing grace to be at work in that Muslim. A person is healed. A person from today, I'm born again. They are ministers of the gospel. Somebody like Prophet Igila was a Muslim. Joseph Suleiman was a Muslim. Now what they are doing is even more than those who were born in a church. They are trying to wonder. I come from a Christian background. Somebody comes from a Muslim background. Yet has built God 80,000 auditorium. You come from a Christian background. All you've built is a four-bedroom house. And you are wondering... What got their attention? When you hear their stories, they say it. Where they moved from being Muslims, what really happened and changed them is the grace that is only connected to the high priest. Come on, shout glory. glory. Who understood what I just said there? So it says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Can we, can we read it again? From verse 14 and then I close. Is that not powerful? I remember many years ago. But more than 10 years ago. Where I had quit, quit all things concerning God and church. Somebody was preaching and all. I just stopped all. I didn't quit for a long time. To about one and a half years. Go to church. All these things they are talking about. They are lying. They are lying. They are lying. And I ran away. 
My sister will invite me to a, a prayer meeting. I'll go to the prayer meeting. That's why I met Mommy there, the prayer meeting. She was also busy praying. Looking for means to go to UK to go to school. The grace that, that sustained her to make her minister now, Prophetess Mabel, praying for people, is the throne, throne grace. Two of us. So we're going for prayer meeting. My sister will say, I should come. I never went to that prayer meeting thinking that I'll have an, a supernatural experience. Never. Every time I went there, I'll just sit at the, stand at the back. I'll be wearing my jeans and stand at the back and watching them. The women will fall under the power. This one will do this. This one will go. I'll be watching. I'll be, what is happening here? What is the meaning of all this? In fact, one of the days, back, back on campus, an apostle came to preach. A whole crusade. I was standing at the back. I'll never forget that experience with a friend. We were just at the back. In fact, I knew what he was doing because I knew it was a crusade. I come from a Christian background. So I know it's a crusade that he was holding. I know when he was praying for the sick and all that. This is all those that God wants to use. Touch over there, all of you. Touch at the back. I was at the back somewhere, somewhere, crusade, somewhere. I don't know what came upon me. All of a sudden, I fell down. I stood up. I carried my bag. I looked at my face. I said, let's run. Let's run. This place, we can't stay here. We ran away. All throughout that time, God was still calling me back. Two of us. Until this particular time where the prayer meetings were having them every Thursday and all that, sometimes on the field, Laboni field and that particular day. In fact, I never went to that meeting thinking that I would change. I'll never, I never went there thinking I would change. I've been, I was going for the meetings because my sister was with my sister and said, let's go, oh, let's go, and I'll go. But I never went there thinking in my mind that I'll have that supernatural experience. I was sitting at the back as usual as the deacon in charge was preaching. Because when he finished preaching, then we pray. It was a prayer meeting, so he finished preaching, and then we pray, 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 pray. And all of them will be praying. I'll just be standing at the back like this, watching, like a police officer. What is happening here and all that. And I, they were, they, he was just preaching. In the course of the preaching, not even the prayer time, I was just sitting at the back. I don't know what came upon me. God has been looking for me, but I've run away. You can never run away from God. I was at the back. Whilst he was still preaching, suddenly, this kind of welling came into my heart. I felt my heart had become, my, my heart had become very heavy. Suddenly, I started singing a particular song. And that song that I was singing was a song I used to sing many years, many those days when I was more audacious and all that. But the song came into my spirit. I started singing it. The guy was preaching. I was at the back. I started singing it within myself. Then the force brought it out. I stood up from the back. I was still singing. The guy was looking at me because he was preaching. So look, I was interrupting the people. I couldn't control myself. I started singing. I started singing it loud. Then the guy started singing it. But all the preaching he preached that day, I don't remember till today. Because I didn't go there to even listen to any preaching. Then I started singing. Then the guy took it. The deacon was in charge. And we started singing. And I started shouting the song. And everybody started singing. Suddenly, the power of God just came on me. Now I know it's the power of God. Is that not true? Carried me from that chair at the back and threw me somewhere in the park. For about two, two hours, I was just wrestling on the field. Everybody closed and left me 
the deacon, my sister, and one elderly woman who was with us for two, two hours or even more. My whole body was full of dust when I stood up. From that day till today, I don't know why I should live for anything again. But what was keeping me all these years, all those one and a half years, when I had left church and I would just go to church as a formality, my mom would be talking, my father would be talking. They were all de- my father was an elder. My mom was a deacon. But the position, all my siblings are now, are all elders, deacons, elders, pastors, whatever, and all that. Because that's where we, we come from. But the man had gone, the guy had gone astray. I was out of the way. I was where? Out of the way. The grace that brought me back and said, Kwesi, you were called for this. You can't run away. Is this throne grace connected to the high priest? Is that not powerful? powerful. Shout glory. glory. God is awesome. Wherever you are, just speak in tongues. Close your eyes. Just seated, just praying the Holy Ghost. Once we do that, you can just give the